0: Would you remain standing and recite with me the Shema as it's printed in your bulletins. Shema Israel. Israel. Adonai Eloheinu. Eloheinu. Adonai Adonai Ahad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Our scripture passage this morning is from the 14th chapter of the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, beginning with the 22nd verse. Set apart a tithe of all the yield of your seed that is brought in yearly from the field in the presence of the Lord your God. In the place that he will choose as a dwelling for his name, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, your wine, and your oil, as well as the firstlings of your herd or flock. So that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. But if, when the Lord your God has blessed you, the distance is so great that you are unable to transport it, because the place where the Lord your God will choose to set his name is too far away from you, then you may turn it into money. With the money secure in hand, go to the place that the Lord your God will choose. Spend the money for whatever you wish. oxen, sheep wine, strong drink, or whatever you desire, and you shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God, you and your household rejoicing together. As for the Levites resident in your towns, do not neglect them, because they have no allotment or inheritance with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Our three-year-old is a big fan of the Toy Story movies, and he has a favorite character in those movies. His favorite character is the cowboy, Woody. We even have a Woody doll at our house with a pull string. When you pull the string, Woody says, reach for the sky. I remember when we first got the Woody doll, Daniel said to me, mommy, what does that mean? Reach for the sky. And I said, oh, it means put your hands in the air. Put your hands in the air so you can't get to your gun or your wallet. A bandit might say, reach for the sky and then take your money. I have to admit that there are times when I've heard teaching in the church on the practice of tithing that I've imagined a heavenly bandit that says, reach for the sky and hand over 10%. The 14th chapter of Deuteronomy is an important passage in understanding what tithing is all about because I believe that it carefully answers an important question. A simple question, a one-word question, a question that I answer about ten times a day at my house. The question of why. Now, while I usually respond to that question with another question, why not?, I'm going to try to do better for you this morning because Deuteronomy does better at answering the question, why tithe? One thing that I see in Deuteronomy in the 14th chapter that I see in all of scripture and I have noticed in my experience of life as well is that God wants to grow the characteristic of generosity in me. In the New Testament, When Paul writes to Timothy, he says, Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. The Psalms, the 37th Psalm, says the righteous give generously. They are always generous and lend freely. And then the 11th Proverb says, A generous person will prosper whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Deuteronomy chapter 14 reminds us to be mindful of those who are in need. Tells the Israelites, remember the Levites. Remember the orphans. Remember the widows. Give to them. And then in the next chapter, chapter 15, the words, give generously. Give generously and be ungrudging when you do so. You see, I believe that God wants to see that characteristic of generosity grow in me. But I have noticed that this is not a natural characteristic in me. It's not something that I come by honestly. It's not something that's just there. It's not an innate characteristic. My innate characteristic is to focus on what's going on in my small world. What my needs, my desires, my interests are. My focus is there. It's harder and it requires discipline to see beyond myself. So I need the practice and I believe that the discipline as ties is my opportunity to practice generosity. One of my favorite books in recent months is a book called Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. And in this book, Gladwell dispels the myth that achievement is the result of giftedness alone. Oh, I've believed that in my life. Instead, Gladwell says that achievement, especially high achievement, is talent plus preparation. And the higher the achievement, Gladwell says, the more practice and preparation is required. In fact, he suggests that the highest achievers have practiced, have prepared 10,000 hours. 10,000 hours is the rule of thumb for practice. And so the tithe is my opportunity, I believe, to practice generosity, to regularly set apart, God says, a piece of what I produce, a piece of what I consider To be my resources. Whether it's my money. My time. My wisdom. My food. Set those things apart. You know. uh, It is. Interesting to me. That in the text. uh, God. We see is generous. It's something that I see. In Deuteronomy. That. The acknowledgement of the divine giver. That the farmer only plays a small role in the production of the crop. But in uh, the tithe is the gratitude of the farmer. The act of producing is not just producing, but it is receiving as well. And I see this in the New Testament also, that we worship a very generous God. At every point, at every turn in the gospel story, I notice that our God is generous. From the very beginning, from the story of the nativity, uh, to the wedding at Cana of Galilee, to the stories of the feedings of the large crowds, the 5,000 and the 4,000, to the healings, to the places where Jesus is teaching the Beatitudes. Blessed are you, Jesus says. Or the parables. The prodigal son. And the father welcomes home generously. The foot washing. The last supper. The crucifixion. The resurrection. Every point in that gospel story. There is a generous God. And my act of offering. My act of tithing. Is an acknowledgement of the gratitude that I have for God's generosity. I will never forget a story that my friend Mark Williams told me when he and I shared an office together. He told me that when he was in seminary, he worked for a senior pastor who every Sunday morning would meet the ushers at the altar rail to receive the offering. He then would turn to walk towards the altar, but before he would put the plate on the altar, he would lift the plate up. And say, regardless of what we say about you, Lord, this is what we believe about you. And he would set the plate down. Ouch. My offering, my tithe is an acknowledgement. It's a symbol of the gratitude that I have for a generous God. I notice in this text that God does not have a need for my material gift. God does not need what I produce. I've heard this taught before in churches. That in order for God to work, I need to bring an offering. I need to tithe. That's not true. When you hear that taught, you are being misled. God's needs are not my needs. This week, Daniel, my three-year-old, asked me, Mommy, what color hair does God have? And I said, oh, I don't think God has hair. Well, I could tell that that was not an adequate response, that Daniel was imagining God to be a bald man, because his next question was, what color eyes does God have? So then it required a more thorough response. I said, Daniel, I don't think that God has eyes or hair like you have or like I have. In the Bible, the scripture says that God says my ways are not your ways. God doesn't have a need for material things as I have a need for material things. So maybe the offering is more about what I need. That I need to grow in generosity and that I need to grow in relationship with God. It's interesting in the text that the text, the 14th chapter, says, set apart your tithe from your grain, your wine, your oil, the firstlings of your flock or your herd, and take that tithe. To the place that the Lord your God will choose. The place that He will choose as a dwelling for His name. And there, in that place, you shall eat it. And if you can't get what you've produced to the place that God has chosen, then sell it. Take money. Buy whatever you wish. Whatever you desire. And then in God's presence, you and your family... Shall eat that, rejoicing together. The place, I believe, is important. The place is always, the place of the offering is always in God's presence. It's always in the place where God will choose for his name to dwell. And so maybe the tithe, I believe that the tithe is about my relationship with God my desire to be known by God and to be loved by God and that this is a place where it can happen. Pastor Stephen Hawthorne tells a story about his young daughter, eight-year-old daughter, who spends a long time on a picture. She's coloring, she's drawing, and when she's finished, he can tell that this is a rendering of himself and his wife that she's drawn a picture of her parents and so she brings the picture to him and she proudly presents it before him he takes the picture and to show her how much he loves it immediately pulls it to his chest but then in an instant he says he realizes that it's not the picture he desires to hold but it's the child that he wants to scoop up and hug and hold The giver brings the gift. But is it not really true that it is the gift that brings the giver? This is a place, the place of the offering, the place of the tithe, where I may be known by God and loved by God. Throughout this chapter in Deuteronomy, we have rules and regulations that are about identity. Don't participate in pagan rituals, the writer says, because that's not you. Don't eat unclean food, the writer says, because that's not you. Don't board your stuff, because that's not you. It's the first sentence of this chapter that I believe sums it all up. It's a simple sentence, and it says, You are children of the Lord your God. So set it apart. Set apart a tithe.